0: Funerals here lately. Uh, at least once to a week. I've had throughout the how long, Atlanta. I don't like it, so y'all just quit it. No more deaths are allowed till further notice. Abraham Lincoln had a good friend of his to die, and man, people came from far and wide to go to his funeral. Lincoln said, "Had he known it had been this good a turnout, he'd have died long ago." <laughs> <laughs> ah this past wednesday night we had brother joe freeman's memorial and i hope the family's pleased with it i think and i hope i believe joe would have been pleased with it his little granddaughter that jerked my heart out though and but i'm glad she got the ship because she'll appreciate that for the rest of her life we had hoover's mother's funeral here not long ago and goodness gracious i don't know who all we've had funerals for but uh It has been stated that one out of every one person will die. You believe in facts? (laughs) Trust me, you can take that to the bank. If you have your Bibles, will you turn to John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Excuse me. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? May God bless that reading hearing to our hearts as having a moment's word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, again, we come into your holy presence. Thank you for this day. Thank you indeed that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you that you have gone to prepare a place for us. That where you are, we may be also. That in our Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, you would have told us. Guide us today in all things for your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Years ago, I, goodness gracious, I don't know, thirty years ago maybe, maybe longer than that. Is a woman, uh, Elizabeth kubler Ross. She wrote a book called On Death and Dying. And if you receive it, it's a good book to read. I don't necessarily agree with everything in it. If you've gotten news that you were terminal, or if a loved one of yours has gotten news that they're terminal, or even if a loved one has passed away. Now, according to Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, there's five stages that you go through. Doug, that's the wildest looking mask i ever seen. What is that? Is it supposed to be a tiger or something? Huh? dog face. A dog? <clears throat> See, I can't tell if he's wearing a mask or not. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, the dog face boy. <laughs> so, she said that there's five stages that you go through. So one of them is denial, another stage is anger, another stage is bargaining, another stage is depression, and the last stage is acceptance. It's at any time that there is a death or you receive information at your terminal, you'll go through those five stages. I don't agree with that. If you're not saved, if you don't know what the Bible says about how to die, you may very well do it. Now, I do know this. People will handle the death of a loved one different people handle it different i've seen some people say their husband dies and say man she's handled well i just wonder you know handle it a little too well things like that but you don't know what happens two weeks later most of the time when somebody passes away initially they are in shock and there's everything going on they have to make decisions they're not really in it but then after everybody's gone home after everybody's gone back to work that's when they break down that's when they need comforting more than any other time. Some people, I've seen people scream and holler and cry and fall on their knees, everything. I've seen people fight. So you got to be kidding. No, I've seen, I never will forget, I did a funeral uh, over in uh, Kingsport and uh, had a bunch of boys. Uh, they grown men, I say boys. There's about five brothers. And I noticed there was a, us in the air. Well we had the funeral there at the funeral home. And then we had the procession and went to the cemetery and I spoke there at the cemetery as well. And as soon as I prayed and said Amen, all five boys just started walking off and I noticed all the women were, were whispering, talking to each other. I said, What's going on? He said, They promised us that they wouldn't get in a fight till after the service is over with and said they're going over the hill. To settle a whole bunch of differences that they've had over the years. I'm serious. I'm real. I have seen funeral services. I know of one in particular. A fellow who was a very active member here at the church, and his wife had something against his mother and barred his mother from even coming to his funeral. Uh, it's amazing how people will act. Uh, But if you're a born-again Christian, if you know what God's Word says, you see, we've got it backwards. We've got it backwards. For example, if I were to say, Matt, i got an invitation uh, to go on the other side of the world place is like a Garden of Eden, and they want me to to speak and teach occasionally and uh, meet every need that I have, and it's going to be beautiful. So your mom and I, we're going to head over there. But, don't know if we'll see you again, but we want you to be happy for us. Well, initially, you would say, You're not going to see us again? And you, you may throw a party, but nevertheless, <laughs> more likely than not, you might be as sad a sad little bit, but you would know where I was at. You know, you wouldn't want to uh, keep me from enjoying the blessings of what I just described to you. Heaven on earth, so to speak. See, our loved ones that die in the Lord. They just left on a trip. They left on a trip to a beautiful place. And so we ought to be happy for them. It's like I shared, I don't know, one of the funerals here recently. Uh, This fellow was terminal. And he had a friend that was going to come and visit him while he was in the hospital. And so he walked into the hospital room and he saw his buddy was still alive. He said, well, I see you're still in the land of the living. He said, no, not yet but I will be. And he had it right. This life is filled with guilt, depression, sickness, temptation, death, pain, and sorrow. And really and truly, if your loved ones and friends are Christians, and I know we'll cry, we'll weep, we may go through, Anger. I've seen people get angry at God but wouldn't say it, but they were literally, and you'd be surprised over the years how many times, particularly when I've had to do the funeral of a child, have a parent to look me in the eye and say, God could have prevented this. Why didn't he? You see, there's some answers we don't have. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to God. But those things that are revealed belong to we and our children. We may do them. There's some things there's no answer for. And if you have a loved one or friend who loses somebody, first thing you think of, I, I like to go comfortable, but I don't know what to say. That's all right. Nobody else does either. You just go and let them know you care and that you love them and that you're there for them if they need anything. Don't worry about it. Coming out It's just like when my dad died, his coffin was laying right here, and people were lined up coming through there. And I'll never forget this. I know everybody meant well, Rita, but I thought to myself, if I hear at one point, I thought, if I hear one more time somebody say, well, he's in a better place, I thought I was going to scream because here's what I was thinking. I know he's in a better place, but I want him here. You see, that was selfish on my part. My pain and my sorrow was selfishness on my part, but nevertheless, I wanted him here. I needed him here. I like what C.S. Lewis said about death and dying. He said, the pain that you feel at the time of their demise is the price tag for the love that you have known. Wow. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? You see, love has a price tag, it costs. And then when that person passes, that indebtedness comes due, and we feel the hurt and the pain and the personal loss. But we shouldn't. I know it's hard, hard to believe, hard not to, but. If we really believe the Bible, if we really believe what Jesus said in John 14, I'll go, go to prepare a place for you, many matches, peace, as God's Word tells us Revelation 21, there'll be no more sickness, be no more death, there'll be no pain or dying, for these are the former things, and God Himself shall wipe every tear from your eye. If we believe that, even though we have a personal loss, we ought to rejoice at they're home. at their home. I tell you right now, with all this crap that's going on in our country, those who get to go home now are the lucky ones. Because it's going to get a whole lot worse in this nation before it gets better. We have to deal with people, even people of the church here who have, uh, the virus and people we know many more is going to get the virus and all these things and the lies and such that we, we hear from the liberal left it just gets us sick of it i mean it feel like sometimes you are telling god stop the world and let me off the rest of you can have it <laughs> yeah it's like a guy Preacher asked one night an evangelist, he asked one night, he said, How many like to go to heaven? Everybody raised their hands up a guy in the back. He said, Sir, maybe you didn't hear me. I said, How many people would like to go to heaven? Everybody raised their hand but you. He said, Oh, I'm sorry. He said, I thought you were trying to get a group together to go tonight. (laughs) Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. How do you die? Let me share something here with you. You know, Mary told me that uh, when Joe passed that uh, they finished eating, she went to the living room to uh, watch TV. and He hollered there and said, I'll be there in a minute. And then, bang! she heard him hit the floor. When she went in there, she rolled him over and said he was just looking straight ahead and wasn't breathing. Of course, rescue squad people came, tried to resuscitate him. He was on the machine uh, till they unhooked him. This is... Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon one of the greatest preachers of all time and here's something that he said about death particularly those and and i had another friend uh, kelly phillips he started started a business had no medical history of anything wrong and secretary said she heard a bang and he just literally dropped dead at his desk no warning nothing he was gone immediately there's no limit as to where and dear brethren, there is no limit as to how precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Their deaths may happen suddenly. They may be alive and active and in a moment fall down dead, but their death is precious. I can never understand that prayer which is put into the prayer book that God would deliver us from sudden death. Why me thinks it is the most desirable death that a person could die. Not to know... You die at all to have no fears, no shiverings on the brink, but to be busy in your master's service here and suddenly to stand in the white robe before his throne in heaven, shutting the eye to the scenes below and opening it to the scenes above. I know if I might ask you such a favor, I would covet to die as a dear brother in Christ died who gave out this hymn from his pulpit. And the hymn that he gave out was his Father. I long, I think, to see the place of thine abode. I'd leave thine earthly corpse and flee up to thy seat, my God. Just as he finished that line in the pulpit, he bowed his head and his prayer was answered. He was immediately before the throne of God. Yes, yeah, you've got to die. That'd be the best way to go, and we all gotta die. However, what about those who linger long and through pain and sorrow in the hospital that just tears the family all to pieces? Now, I've seen people linger in hospitals that it was more devastating for the family members than it was for the person actually suffering. What about those? I've got a theory. I've got a theory, and if you said, Dick, prove it, I couldn't. But I base it on God's mercy. I believe many times what we behold with our eyes to loved ones who are in the Lord on their deathbed may not be what they're actually feeling. I don't know. I know that doesn't make sense. But I think that sometimes, and here's what we got to realize, God's Word says in Hebrews 9, 27, It is appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. We all have a divine appointment. Most of you have heard me share this before. There is a day and a time you are going to die. Every one of us. It may be 104 years old. It may be 30 years old. But before the foundation of the world, you had a divine appointment and you will keep it. You will not be able to skate around it. I don't care how much you exercise. Jim Fix, who wrote the runner's Bible, died, had a massive heart attack and died while running. I don't care how good of health you are. I don't care if you're buff like me. (laughs) Whatever gets you through the nightmare, (laughs) man. I don't know if you can consider a big watermelon buff. (laughs) It doesn't matter. There is a day you're going to go. You see, God's not going to be standing there Well, we weren't expecting you for another 20 years before the foundation of the world. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. And I've known so many people that spend their life in fear of dying in fear of dying, hypochondriacs. Hypochondriacs, that's just a, 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 a symptom of extreme fear of dying. There's a woman told me that they had a family picnic here a while back. They said some of the women were sitting around a picnic table, and they were talking about different procedures and such they had, and uh, couple of men sitting there at the table, and one of them was extreme hypochondriac. This woman was talking about the pain she went by uh, having a, a, an ovary that needed to be removed. So that guy kept watching intently. he said, I think I've got something wrong with my ovary too. <laughs> 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 and and the, the hypochondriac really feels what he's feeling, but it's not real but it's based on fear. You see, God's Word says that we are not to fear. In Hebrews chapter 2, God's Word talks about to those who are all their life and filled with fear of death. We now have no reason to fear death. I used to worry, oh gosh, I used to worry about If I die, what's going to happen with Lyndon? What's going to happen with Matt? What's going to happen with Vicky? It still crosses my mind, you know? Try to get as much together and ready as you possibly can to to prepare that. And I used to worry that Linda worried about it, but I don't know more. (laughs) She just looks at me and goes... (laughs) Tell me, man, she keeps telling me that that six-foot rule even applies at home. I, th- I think that's every wasp bullet. No, no, no okay. yeah. I just had not read that part. I didn't know. We, we were practicing that before the virus. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had it down the path. I want you to look over here at Psalm 116, verse 15. Psalm 116. Uh, Spurgeon alluded to it in that part I read. But in Psalm 116, verse 15, little verse but so powerful. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord. You see, why, why would it be precious? Because his children are coming home. If you know the Lord is saved, if you are saved, you are a child of God and He is rejoicing that finally you are coming home. We look in church history and, we, and even to this day, life is undervalued in most of the world. Nero fiddled as Rome burned and blamed it on the Christians and we use them as human torches. The Christians were fed to lies. Life didn't mean anything. didn't have any value. But to the Lord, precious in the sight of the Lord, is the death of His saints. Because the children of God graduate. They go home. And that's why we can say with all confidence, if you're saved, it's not goodbye. It's just so long till later. And you say, well, how do you die, yet? How do you die? When it gets to that point, God will take care of every bit of that. As I said before, I think sometimes the things we see may not be the reality of it. You say, well, that's, that's denial. No. No, it's because I believe in a loving, kind, compassionate, forgiving, merciful, heavenly Father. And his word says, I will not put on you more than you're able to bear, but with every temptation will provide a way of escape that you may be able to bear it in the evil day. I really believe, Rita, that there is a reason that God allows on, 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 in the course of things women to live longer than men. I really, really think this. I think he is created them to be able to handle it better than before the wife would go before the man. Because women are nurturers and such and it's just like when I go to the doctor now Linda goes with me because before when she wouldn't go with me I'd get back and she'd say what the doctor said. And she said i am sick." Show me the money. <laughs> Bless you. Uh, so Linda She writes all this stuff down She asks questions and everything I feel like a three year old Sitting back and forth on the thing Mama knows that's mama. Know. That's, that's what she said If sometimes I have to go by myself They'll say how much uh, What type, What's your medication What all you're taking I say can I call her on the phone <laughs> I'm serious So she finally wrote it down for her and I keep it in my wallet so I just hand out paper, because sometimes she can't go. And I come to find out, when you talk to these nurses, they said that's about the case that between every husband and wife. The wife will keep up with the medication. For all I, she fills out my little week, weekly thing with pills for A.M. and P.M. For all I know, she's had a little larceny or, or, or poison. She could. I wouldn't know. Yeah, I haven't had my dose today. I'm, I'm jonesing for some more. So. I don't know, you know. And and I think, another reason I think that women outlive men. Because as families get older, so many families, the wife and the husband, have to work or have uh, bigger issues. And it's so beautiful for all the grandmas that help step in and take care of the grandchildren. That men would just be beside themselves. You see, when God's Word says He knows when the tiniest bird falls to the ground, He understands He says He has it laid out. And for the Christian, it's a beautiful thing. The Christian is immortal to the day he dies. You say, what? He is immortal to the day he dies and then he lives forever. As we read in the fourth verse of Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me." My grandmother, dad's mom. When she passed away, uh, some of the families around her and they were singing hymns and such. And uh, my Aunt Betty said that all of a sudden, Grandma raised her arms in the air and like she saw something. she said, it is beautiful. D.L. Moody did the same thing. He was looking towards the ceiling And his son was standing beside the bed and D.L. Moody said, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, this is my coronation day. And he said, it's okay, Dad, You're you're just dreaming. He said, no, I've never been so awake. And then he breathed his last. Do you know where you're going? I tell people a lot of times at a funeral, and I know they think, well, that's just pure hyperbole. I'll say, I, if your loved one who is in this coffin or what have you, if they were here right now, I could tell you what they would say. And they look at me like, you could. Yeah, I can. And I can prove it me. Luke chapter 16, starting with the 25th verse, and particularly the 26th verse, there's a rich man and Lazarus. A rich man died. And he went to hell. And he could look up. I think this would be the worst part about hell. Because it says there he could look up and see Abraham. They could still see heaven, what they chose not to have. It says so the rich man called out to Abraham and said, Father Abraham, allow me to go back. I have several brothers. Allow me to go back and warn them. And Abraham said, no, even if one rose from the dead, they wouldn't believe. In other words, there's some." They can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and the proof thereof, the scriptural evidence, and still say no. That's why I can say at a funeral service, if the loved one standing here right now, particularly those who have died in the Lord who are Christian, I guarantee you they would look at you and say, you do not want to miss what I see, feel, hear, and sense in heaven for anything that this world has to offer was like 1 Corinthians 2 9, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has appointed unto them that love him. That's amazing. I I, I I have never been able to get over that. People can think of some of the most beautiful things. They can write the most beautiful songs and make the most beautiful paintings. But that pales. Pales drastically in comparison. To what we will see in the whole and film and experience in heaven. Russell's son recently passed away we had his funeral, Cody's funeral here uh, in the memorial service what less than a week ago, probably a week ago. And uh, I remember talking to him in my office and he confessed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and prayed. God's Word says if thou wilt confess in thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thy heart that God has raised you from the dead thou shalt be saved. It's wonderful in one sense when I can do a memorial service for somebody that I had i known have confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior. Linda remembers this, this has been when I was pastoring at Liberty Church. Uh, this lady who came to church said Vic will you come to my house and Talked to my husband about getting saved. I said, well, sure. I said, well, it'd be a good night to come over. She told me, so sure enough, that night I'd come along. And I went over there and I knew, I knew the cat. He was a good guy, really good guy. Super nice, easy going. And I said, I'd like to talk to you about salvation. And I shared with him, I said, do you realize that when Jesus Christ was on the cross, since he's God incarnate, he knows everything past, present and future. That when he was on the cross, he had you on his mind. So that the moment you receive Jesus, Lord and Savior, your sin will come out of the future, cling to his body. When he dies, he'll take your sin with him so that you will be raised up a new creature unto salvation. I said, Do you understand that? He said, Oh, yeah. He said, I've never heard it that way before. He said, Yeah. I said, Would you like to pray now and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Nah. I said, did I, is a part you didn't understand? He said, no, no, I understood it perfectly. I said, well, would you like to pray and receive Jesus? He said, no, I can't. I said, why can't you? And here's what he said. He said, Vic, where I work, people, using, guys tell dirty jokes and a lot of profanity and all that. And he said, I just don't think I can live a Christian life. I said, no, well, no, 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 no. You got the cart before the horse. You're not saved because you're good works. You can't be good enough to earn salvation. You can't be good enough to keep salvation. It's a free gift from God. You ask the Lord to save you, Holy Spirit comes in and He'll, he'll start cleaning your act up. Now, would you like to receive Jesus? He said, all right, brother. I said, I don't push down anybody's throat. All I do is offer. Two days later, I got a phone call from his wife. said, so he's in there taking a the shower and dropped dead. Would you preach his funeral? Remember that man? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? I'm going to, I, you see, I can't preach anybody into heaven. I can't preach anybody out of heaven. I can't say, well, he was a good good Christian. No, usually when I don't know if they had ever made a profession of faith, I get up and i tell the family about the good things that I know about him. He's a good dad, a good husband, worked hard. But I'm trying to say I know where he's at in heaven. But to those who have made a profession of faith, I am tickled to say to the family, You'll join them later. They're on a long trip. They've already arrived and you'll be getting there. But also, let me throw in a caveat here. In those two days, it is possible that he prayed what I left him with. It could be possible that before he hit the floor, you see, time is irrelevant to God, that he asked Jesus to be his Lord and Savior. So I can't preach him out of heaven. I have known preachers who have preached and literally told the family, well, he's in hell today because he never got saved, never was baptized. I preach like that, I'll, somehow I'll slap his bench or something. I'm serious. That's just mean. That's just mean and ignorant. God's Word tells you, we're never to judge a person's eternal destination because you don't know what transpires between that person and God. But I'm not going to Preach somebody into heaven and, and lie for them. All I can do is hope and pray that indeed that individual made it right. God's Word tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1-10. to I want you to go back and read that. I don't have time because that preacher talked too long as It says, We must all stand before God and give an account of the things done in the flesh. I thought about that so much. We're all totally going to have to stand before God and give an account for the things done in the flesh. Here's what goes to my agreement. man. Salvation is a free gift from God, right? And if we pray and ask God to forgive us, those things are forgiven, blotted out, and remembered no more, right? So what will I be given an account for? I believe it's for those things that I justified and did not the the Lord. The sins that we did, we said, well, I had a right to do that. It doesn't mean you'll be lost. But what it will mean is, remember that show, This Is Your Life? You see, there's what's called the Great White Throne Judgment. Those who died without knowing Jesus as Lord, who went to hell. Do you know that'll be brought back? What? They'll be brought back for another judgment. And God's Word says, even then they will have to testify that God's judgment was right and true. Yeah, we must all stand for God and give an account. Wouldn't it be terrible, Jim, if we're standing there and, of course, we you know family that we love that's going on there? And St. Peter would just say, we're going to show your life up here to everybody. I don't know about you, Jim, but I go, please don't. Please. I don't want to, you, don't want to, you don't want to see it even. That's why daily we need to confess our sin and believe that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 51 to 55 and we'll look this up later. Paul writes, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? You see, as a Christian, the sting of death isn't there. The sadness of the grave isn't there. The grave becomes a bridge to eternity. And when we breathe, our last, our next conscious moment is heaven itself in the presence of the Lord. Nobody wants to lose a loved one. But in reality, it's selfish. Billy Graham. Billy Graham in his book, Just As I Am, he said, one day you will hear that Billy Graham died. And that'll go across the news and all that. Billy Graham is deceased. He is dead. He said, don't you believe it for one second. He said, I'll be more alive on that day than any other time in my life. You see, he had no doubt about it. Just like Paul said, I know whom I have believed and persuaded He's he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I know. I know that when I die, I will go to heaven, not because of works of righteousness which I have done, but because of the work of righteousness that Jesus has done. I count on Jesus Christ and his substitutionary atonement for my salvation, not on what I deserve. You've heard me say many times, do not give Vic Young what he deserves. I, sometimes I see that in Linda's eyes. I hope you give what you deserve. Why are you laughing so hard? Is, that, is, is there some truth in that stuff? Oh, I'm sure I've thought that before. <laughs> <laughs> do you hear that Rita? Did you hear that G? I'm sure I've thought that before thought those two ways. <laughs> but in reality, no, I know what I deserve. I want mercy. I want mercy and grace. After 45 years, I hate doing funerals, but even more than hate doing funerals, I hate, hate, hate. I know you're not supposed to use that word, so forgive <laughs> me. Weddings. I'd rather bury them as marry them. So just just right now, I want you to know I, I'm supposed to be retired—not retired, retired. I do not do weddings no more. Junior can do them. I only weddings I will ever do is for my grandchildren. That'd be it. I do not do weddings no more. I help you with the funerals and all that, but it's time. Do not ask me, how. It's twelve o'clock. It's twelve o'clock. <laughs>
1: There's a scripture in Matthew 25 that
0: talks about the midnight cry <laughs> and the ten virgins. And the main thing they need to know is there was five who had oil in their lamps and five who didn't. And the oil in their lamp represents the Holy Spirit. There are those who will be saved and those who will be left behind. And so it's like right now, it's midnight somewhere in the world. And the midnight cry is going forth. Do you know that you have the Holy Spirit in you? Amen? Amen. Let's stand, please. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you presence. Thank you that you have gone to prepare a place for us that where you are, we may be also. Thank you, Father God, that we can say, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Thank you, Father God, that we can leave the pain, the heartache, the temptation, the guilt, the filth of this world, and know that we'll have a new and renewed body. We'll be in the holy presence of the Lord where there is nothing but joy and righteousness and peace and happiness and truth for all eternity. As Squire Parsons wrote in Beulah Land, I'm homesick, homesick for a place I've never seen before. Father, I pray if anyone here this morning does not know you as the Lord and the Savior of their life, that you pray this prayer I'm about to pray. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I receive you as my Lord and my God and my personal Savior. Holy Spirit, please fill me to overflowing. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, while Jeannie is playing his imitation, please come to the front of the church. fat man kneels down and stand back up after the will be <laughs> This morning, Todd came forward and prayed a prayer of salvation and next Sunday we'll be having his baptism. Oh, and yeah. and Todd, before you leave, we need to get some information from you and give you some information. I was going to read this at Joe's funeral. I used to have this on a book plate that I put on in the cover of books I have in my library. It goes back a long time. I shall pass this way but once. Any good that I can do or any kindness I can show to any human being, let me do it now. Let me not defer nor neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again. Father, thank you so very much. For all the blessings you give us, thank you, Father God, that you have led Todd here to pray that prayer and that you have had his name written on the Lamb's Book of Life. Pray, I pray Father God, you keep us from going out and coming in and bring us back safely at the appointed time. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, Amen. "Amen." God bless you all. Lord willing, we'll see Amen. you next week.